Spectrum is brought to you by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Before a new idea can become a way of thinking, before one detail can flip the narrative, before anything that matters can change the world, it must, above all, be known. The duty of the Scripps College of Communication is to bring forth the people who bring forth the knowledge, by word or image or data stream and in every medium and by all means, they succeed. They say, make it loud, make it clear, make it known. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. I'm your host, Tom Hodson. On Spectrum, we cover a wide range of topics that are important to our lives. We feature journalists, authors, scholars, policymakers, activists, scientists, innovators, and some people who just have fascinating stories. Today's guest is journalist and media specialist Meryl Gottlieb. In just six short years, she's risen from an intern at Insider to become a senior partner manager for the business division. She talks about today's media and what we might expect in the near future. She shares her excitement about new and innovative ways to tell stories. So Georgetown University just came out with a a survey on education in the workforce. And in that survey, uh, they ranked the most regretted majors in college or degrees in college. And in the top five were journalism at 87% regret and communication with 64% regret. Now, you're a young professional with a journalism degree. Uh, How do you feel about that? I think maybe to the larger communications, I won't speak to, but to journalism in particular, I think there is value. I'm part of the 13% that I think would have answered it was valuable because um, in the way that my career has progressed since graduating, I would have never anticipated or known how to study for it. And so I think the power of the journalism degree is that it prepped me to be in a situation where you you can adapt, right? So a reporter has to be able to walk in and be able to think on their feet and adapt to the environment that they're in. And I used to go to the student coffee house all the time and just wander up to people and say, hi, I'm with the Post, the campus paper. Can I talk to you about whatever it was? Um, And I think that just preparation helped me for a lot. So maybe it, maybe directly, you know, studying the concept of journalism, sure, can seem pie in the sky, but I think the practical elements are pretty invaluable. Part of the distress probably is the job market where uh, young people come out and think that maybe they're not making as much money as they should, or the, the job market is tenuous in some aspects of journalism. Uh, but that's not true in all aspects of journalism, correct? Correct. I think it can be hard to certain 
types of reporters are probably oversaturated than others. But I think with how digital everything has become, you can find such a niche in any space. And so I think it's hard, but I think journalists are prepped to have a thick skin. <laughs> and so hopefully it you know allows you to kind of get a, get over that hill and eventually you can hopefully find a place. You you uh, talked about the ability to go up and and just speak to people and and communicate uh, with people is one of the things that you learned uh, in journalism school. Uh, how about the ability to write quickly or to analyze and synthesize situations? Has that helped you more broadly in your corporate life? Oh, absolutely. Um, there were so many times where you know, at, at the campus paper, the post, we just pretended we were a full-fledged newsroom all the time. And we, you know, I know they still do. And that I think is such a core identity of why um, we all band together, because it taught me how to immediately hear something was going on and, and run across campus and go ahead toward it. And I, you know, it, it is a really invaluable thing of being able to think quickly and react, but also, as you said, synthesize it and not just say, here's what's happening. It's like, well, add the additional context and the greater value of it is thinking more holistically and not just here's what is literally going on, but trying to paint that in a wider picture is something I try to do daily in my job. And in in your job, you also uh, have to uh, sort of come down to the 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 lead or the nut graph very quickly, <laughs> correct? In 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 information and oh, being definitely. able to convey that to others. Definitely, um, you know, I very fortunately get to deal with a lot of executive leadership in my position and they're busy people. <laughs> they have um, a lot to do and a lot of people to talk to and a lot of different departments to think about. And so for me, I think the value that I can drive is giving them everything they need to know in you know, the most digestible way possible. And that's a net graph. Meryl, you've had a, an amazing career uh, starting six years ago as an intern and now in uh, uh, your second management uh, position with within a, a corporation that's, uh, I would think many people in journalism would say cutting edge, and that's insider. Uh, it's, first of all, talk before we get to your career. Talk talk about Insider for those people who may not know about it or know what it is or how it originated. Sure thing. So, Insider initially actually started as Silicon Alley Insider in a loading dock. There's just a very small group of people, and then it became more widespread from just the business of Silicon Alley to or Silicon Valley to Business Insider. And from there, that was the core brand for, for several years. And in about 2014, 2015, um, we began to start Insider and spin that off. And it actually started with a Facebook page and didn't even have a website domain because it was about experimentation and figuring out how to expand beyond just the bread and butter of business. And it started really full force with video. And so um, viral Facebook video, the big 
hit was the Rainbow Bagel, which hundreds of millions of views on Facebook. And there's so much evolution within the time, but it became where beyond just viral video and beyond just life is an adventure, which was our core tagline for a while, we realized Insider could become just the broad national publication to cover all the verticals that we were interested in doing. And so there became a shift internally to make that the more sort of parent umbrella brand, and that is the leading brand now, where within that we have our business coverage, which is still thriving, and we have our news division, our lifestyle division, and video, and a product we call service journalism, which is e-commerce, but also our reference storytelling. So it's really become a digital first national publication, global publication, I should say. And in in doing that, uh, you've led several groups of that. Talk about where you were with uh, initially and then you had a disruption with COVID that changed your track altogether. So I initially joined in the summer of 2016 after graduation as an entertainment intern. And then about halfway through, I kind of got the taste of I'm in the real world. I work for a real company that has to have ups and downs. And there was a bit of a hiring freeze at the time. And I was switched to focus on social media for our business insider video team. Because at the time, um, while insider was kind of coming up, we, we they were operated a little separately, the business insider and insider teams. And so what I realized quickly was I was brought into this because there wasn't anybody focused on it. And so what I could do, being the very type A person that I am, is build a whole strategy for that team. And very fortunately, I had wonderful leadership there who saw something in me and who inspired me to stay. Because of course, you know, being switched from an internship, I wasn't initially thrilled. And, you know, I realized what the opportunity I had and the opportunity I had for amazing people to work for who have become such mentors and friends. And so I then led the Business Insider video social team for about a year. And then as the brands began to merge, the social teams were actually some of the first teams to merge because that was where we could iron out some overlap and capitalize on what's working on the insider team versus the business insider team and you know, really lift everything up by joining together. And minimizing inefficiency. And so then for the next about two and a half years, I led the video social team for both brands. And from there, you know, it was just leading is I watched every single video that we published between um, that time in 2016 through about um, halfway through 2020. Wow. And it's a lot. <laughs> um, but in through that, it, there's so much evolution within the social team, within the video team, and the kind of content that they were producing um, and adapting our strategy on social and working together. And then about, you know, after three and a half years, I realized I wanted something different. I, I had no idea though. And so, you know, thankfully I'd built up a really good rapport with my boss and was able to talk with her and say, you know, I'm ready for something but truly I have no idea what it will be. Um, and by opening that door is what led me to this business development team, which was, I think, what felt like a very natural progression from 
my experience on the social team to now, instead of just video and from the lens of an editorial perspective, thinking about video and web and all the types of content that we produce from a business and revenue perspective. Um, and that switch happened, it was actually initially supposed to happen Q1 2020, and we all sort of know what happened at that time. And so naturally there was a, a pause in getting to, to switch that team, but eventually it came in about like the summer of 2020. Um, and then I've been there since. You started uh, very early, as you said, right after graduation as, as an intern, but it wasn't long after that that you were actually managing people and managing a team as a young, early 20-something-year-old. Well, 20 you know, <laughs> how, how did you do that? Were you prepared for that? Uh, how, did, how did you develop those skills? It was just practice over time. I definitely, I mean, I admit, you know, my early management compared to where I felt at the end was just so night and day because it was all learning sort of on the job there. Because as you said, I had gone from being an intern to then being trusted to lead not just the strategy of, of what we were going to do with our video, but leading that team and other interns. Um, and so it was a lot of just experiences in that those first um, few years. And then as I progressed in that role, realize, you know, building on that experience and realizing, oh, well, now I know for the next time, if I have a situation similar to this, like, this is how I would approach it maybe differently. And I think toward the end is where I finally felt like, okay, I think I've hit, a, I feel like I've hit a groove. I feel like I feel pretty comfortable here. And I loved managing. I loved working with people and just, you know, I really just, it's about being an ally for them and being someone who's going to help them with their careers. Cause they're also, um, you know, the interesting dynamic was that they're also in their early stage of their careers. I just, you know, happened to be <laughs> in the position that I was in. Um, and so it's about, you know, making sure that they are set up with the tools that they need, because if they're not set up with the tools that they need, then I can't do anything in my job if, if they don't have what they need. And so, I just loved it. I loved getting to work with them. And um, that is a piece that I miss, but I think there's always opportunity to, to come back to that. You know, starting in, in that way and starting really during COVID, COVID changed media in a lot of ways that I don't think most people realize. Mm -hmm. uh, talk about the impact of COVID on uh, social media and the, your whole distribution model of news and entertainment and information. Definitely fundamental. Um, it, you know, for in that early time, it was like everyone is doing clubhouse and <laughs> audio spaces and there's that huge boon and capitalizing on that people are spending more time you know, because they are at home and they can be on their phones maybe a little bit more or they aren't going out to places so they can engage with things more. So there's a really big boom. But then it was figuring out, you know, understanding how fleeting that was. And I'm not just talking like early 2020, um, but just in general, like the course of the pandemic in the grand scheme of our lives, you know, the, the oversaturation of people being 
in a tight space for so long and now that things have opened up and realizing that that is fading away. <laughs> and so that's been um, definitely a hurdle to, to go through. And that's why you see so many, especially like big tech companies that um, went on a sort of hiring spree and now kind of have to step back on that. And so that is something that is such a, a sort of tragedy, tragedy of the time. And with media in particular, I think, you know, it was about getting people really verified information, especially in that early time when there's so much unknown and we're all scrambling and like getting Clorox wipes for our bags of chips because who knows if someone touched it at the grocery store and then realizing how to dispel these myths that were so prevalent at the time because there's so much fear. And so trying to, you know, I think our service journalism team, its core message is helpfulness and whether that's like what products for people to buy or, you know, how to do X, Y, Z. But I think that's when that mission became something that was across every vertical, you know, especially something on science and health, but also news and the politics space at the time. And um, I think it's where I just the importance of what we do was I feel really heightened even more. And hopefully more people saw the value of that just because of, um, you know, the need for, for real truth and verified information during that time. When you look at what uh, Insider's doing, it's it's a flip of a model that other media operations are doing. Still some legacy media operations uh, ask people to come to their website and uh, ask, I mean, they, they put out links and, and <laughs> right. links take you to their website. Uh, it's, it's basically, Hey, people come to us and we will give you news and information. It seems like insiders based on the opposite model, whereas we'll give you the news and information where you are. Uh, talk talk about that whole concept and how that really works. Absolutely. So that is really core to who we are because there are the new stat now is eight billion people <laughs> in the world, and I think you are going to lose everybody by trying to force a such a tight funnel to one place. The internet is so vast and as silly and as simplistic as it is to say that. It is so true. And I think you just miss so many options and opportunities for readership and reaching new users by limiting where you're putting your content. And, you know, so that is where, you know, there are so many millions of users on Facebook, on YouTube, on other partners I run are Microsoft and Yahoo. And so if they're already there, just getting a user alone is tricky. And so why would you create these other opportunities for them to miss your storytelling by forcing them to one place? So it's really about, you know, and it comes back to, I think it's better, a better service for the reader by having it where they already are so that they can engage with that news. And whether it's something that is, you know, the must know news of the day or just something that they're interested in, you know, why not give them that opportunity with where they already are instead of trying to control everything. It must be difficult, however, to do that in 
this day of, uh, I guess it could be categorized as social media disruption. Uh, Twitter's going through upheavals. Uh, Facebook is going through upheavals. Uh, massive layoffs in, in both organizations. Uh, that'll change things. Things are changing all the time. How do you adapt to that change and how do you adapt to this disruption? Yeah, so that is the other thing is we really pride ourselves on our agility to adapt when as we think see things coming. And so it's we have these wonderful partnerships with these platforms that we value so greatly. And it's not to say that we get, you know, in one year we're going to drastically change our algorithm and we're going to drastically change how we do things. It's not that because I don't even know how, you know, when the people who are who um, are figuring out the algorithm changes know how far in advance. But um, it's about creating a strategy and having the people running it who feel comfortable with that. I think that's the thing. And that can be hard. It's a hard thing to ask, but it's an exciting thing if you can find the right sort of people who can have that mindset because how you know boring it would be to have something where it just doesn't change for six years. Like I, I wouldn't have stayed because what, where is the innovation? Um, and so, you know, it can be, of course, frustrating, right? When, when all of a sudden things are entirely different, but it then allows you to think, well, maybe I got a little comfortable <laughs> and uh, sometimes comfort is wonderful, but then too, it, it really challenges you. And that's, you know, social media is a constant challenge every day. And, um, I think it makes you reevaluate how that platform can be because for so long, you know, um, Facebook was where you post friends, you know, information. That's where you see. And Twitter was news and just updates and Instagram was only photos. And it's really interesting to see how fundamentally things evolve over time and just the different types of social media that pop up. Something like Be Real, which, you know, is a sort of you know, almost like backlash to the existing social media that's out there because why is everything so curated? Um, and I just, just, it's really interesting to see like how will that will continue to progress. You're talking about progression. Uh, you don't know what the next iteration of social is going to be. You don't know what the next new uh, media invention or media delivery device will be uh, on the market and how soon. But you have to anticipate for that. You've talked about the, the ability to pivot and the ability for agility. How does that get baked into a corporate psyche? It's a, that's a great question. It is something, it's about, you know, practicing what you preach and showing that in every level throughout the company. So it's not that you're just expecting people at whatever level um, to sort of answer <laughs> to whatever the, you know, note is from on high. It's, it's from, um, you know, every level needs to, needs to exemplify that. And it's, it can be hard, I think, and I, but I think that is too where we sort of, and we as an insider have a leg up in the fact that we kind of started in a tech startup-y way and we don't have that sort of traditional legacy media, um, you know, 
decades of tradition to tie you down. And I think we get really aided by that in the sense that at any time we always knew we had to keep had to keep pivoting and had to be flexible or else how are you going to make it and <laughs> with how much competition there is nowadays um so i think you know it, as, and as you grow what the challenge becomes reminding people of that mentality that it was when you started and um not to say you, know, you can't maintain your sort of startup culture forever but you can keep the themes of that and how you adapt things when when newsrooms grow and when the company grows um so I think it's about, you know, in, in our offices, we have big sort of messages across the walls and in, in, in art and decoration about, you know, better every day and um, different sort of mottos that we try to really um, inform the company around. Um, so I think I think it's just about practicing what you preach and then just a continual reminder so people don't lose sight of what they're here to do. What is the demographic that Insider goes for, or is there a particular demographic? Uh, I know the news and information that you give is very broad uh, in scope, and sometimes it goes very deep uh, on certain topics, but it's very broad in scope. So do you have a target demographic? I think... I mean, again, I, I am so, uh, why would I limit myself to thinking of one group at any any time? I think, of course, and especially given the distributed model, our target demographic changes by the platform. And so our site audience looks a little different than the Yahoo audience, which looks different than the YouTube audience, which looks different than Snapchat. And, tech, and you can keep going down that list and everything is different. And so... And I think that's, again, the value of the distributed model is because then you get to expand outside that pool that might have that more natural inclination to come to you directly um, or to click the links that are out there. Because, of course, you know, we're a distributed model. We still put (laughs) the links out there to to get people to come back. And so it's, again, widening that pool. So And then even within the different demos that exist on each platform, within that, we usually have a sort of distributed model within the distributed model. So on YouTube, we have multiple channels to target the different types of videos our team is putting out. And so our Food Insider channel will have a different demo than our Business Insider or our Beauty Insider or News Insider. So it just, it really varies and it can get really specific <laughs> depending on depending on where you ask. So... I know that you really are a a lover of good journalism, and that's where your heart is. Uh, Good journalism does not get created in a vacuum if there Mm -hmm. isn't a business model to uh, support that good journalism. It seems like your company works in unison, in tandem between the journalism part and the business part. Is that true? In different different ways. So we, we love a good metaphor at Insider, and the key one is the three legs of the stool. And so what that is, um, and that's from our, our founder, Henry Blodgett, where editorial is one, business and revenue is two, and then tech and product is the third leg. And if one of those is out of alignment, one of those is not, you know, 
operating with all the others, then the stool is wobbly and it's going to fall over and it won't work. And so we really firmly believe in that constant communication between the departments. And it's not to say that the average reporter needs to be worrying about business. That's not their focus. That shouldn't be what their focus is. But we have teams like my team who works very closely with my old team, actually, our social, uh, what we call our distribution team. And so we have sort of point people who have that designation or have that sort of leadership um, to kind of be representations and to make sure that business understands what the core objectives and priorities are of the newsroom currently. Because even if you have someone like me who was part of the newsroom and part of the editorial team, it was two and a half years ago now. So, so much has changed. Um, And so it's really important to make sure that we're constantly in communication to make sure that we know what their priorities are. We understand what the tech and product queue is like to understand the prioritizations of there's things we're constantly asking them to do and knowing um, what what value gets added. And so we really firmly believe in that, but um, not to say that it is that everyone has to understand everyone's individual goals, but just making sure that the departments um, are always in line. One of the things that has come out of Insider uh, is a Pulitzer Prize winning uh, yes. story that was told in a graphic novel uh, format, which uh, many people may find unusual, but it's it's really cutting edge in in storytelling. Uh, how does that work? It, the creativity of the the news process then is supported by the business process. Yeah, and so what I I credit my my boss Rich Kennedy is um, really when I joined the team, put it in such a succinct way of saying our team is trying to just fund journalism and fund the newsroom so that they can go out and do that and spend months and months on something like that in a project where you know you need to be able to have the resources to allow people to do that, and so that is sort of what we try to do on our team to make sure that we're getting the most value out of every every story um, because we're all about impact and whether that is impact on this level where, I mean, this was such a monumental story that this um, person shared and it is so important to read. And But not everything has to be always at that level. And I think there's such impact that can be in um, a more news of the day story too. And there's just different levels of it. Um, and all of it is important. All of it is working toward that. And I think sometimes people kind of get caught up and we want to do the months-long investigations, months-long feature things, and that's the only thing that is important and impact. And I think that's a little bit of an archaic way of thinking because I think if you can make someone's day better with a, you know, maybe a shorter piece that only took a, a day, a week, however long, um, that's still important. Um, and so we're here to allow all of that to happen and and make sure that. Um, they can tell any variation of storytelling they want because whether it's short, whether it's long, whether it's a video or a, a graphic novel, um, it's all incredible. And, you know, with how much there is to consume in the digital space, you know, um, there's a lot and a lot that can be done and it's always changing. 
And it's highly competitive. I mean, you're yes. looking for eyes, you're looking for ears, you're looking for uh, people to read, it, but you're competing with every other media outlet in the world. For sure. I think, um, oh, you know, we, we do because we there's so many verticals that we cover and, and types of storytelling we do. But I think, you know, we also are thinking about it in the sense of like, what are the other digital sort of first publications too? Um, and can we be on the, on the level of those versus legacy media and all of that? So um, it's, it's interesting to, to section it out too. What's next? Because innovation is taking over everything, but in media, it seems to be on light speed. <laughs> uh, can, can you anticipate any new revelation for our listeners of what might be next? It's, a, it's such a, it's a hard question to ask because I mean, one year ago, how would we have known sort of the space that we're in and the apps that would be here and predominant? Um, so I think I focus on, and maybe it's because I'm just over, overly practical and <laughs> overly into the, the now, but um, I think it's about setting yourself up so that as these things are happening and as these things are coming up, you can, um, again, pivot is a word I keep coming to in our conversations because you need to be able to hit those things along the way or else, you know, we talk about five, 10 years from now, you're not going to be here in five or 10 years if you haven't adjusted along the way to be able to make it to there. Um, because, you know, maybe it's all the metaverse and we all are, you know, Sims virtual world and who knows, or maybe there's an entire backlash against social media altogether because the generation that's growing up now that's going to run everything. And I am really interested to like to have that, that wave come up because they've grown up with it where it's so incorporated into their lives from the beginning, as opposed to you know, myself um, being in a millennial where we had such a fundamental part of our early lives without it. And so I wonder too, we all kind of think about how much further is this going to go? I almost even wonder, you know, what kind of sort of step back might even happen too. Um, and it's very hard to, to know exactly which way <laughs> that would go. So with your own career, uh, I mean, six years out of college and in multiple management positions at a major media corporation in New York City, that's that's pretty heady stuff. <laughs> uh, how do you stay grounded and how do you look at maybe what's next with you? I think what is really exciting about where I am is, you know, it is such a group. It's almost, it's, I keep finding myself, you know, the, the scripts kids or the, the insider folk, we're just such that kind of like go getter mentality. It's just, I keep finding myself um, in places where that is just, uh, and not to belittle it, just, it almost just feels like the norm, right? Where um, yeah. maybe it isn't totally earth shattering. And I, I think that that is kind of humbling. Um, and it's not to belittle all of the su successes that happen both at Scripps and, and at Insider, but I think it's really inspiring because it's like, I am just trying to keep up <laughs> the pace with everyone else as well. Um, but then too, you have 
you know, the people in my personal life, friends and family and my partner who uh, remind you of, of where you come from and um, how far you've gone. And uh, it's, 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 you know, you got to find your good cohort to, to also keep you sane because the media industry, my gosh, is something that can be quite overwhelming <laughs> at any given time. Um, but I think also too, you know, part of it is I'm, I'm not someone who uh, kind of runs the door and is like, I am this and I am, I have done this in my career um, because uh, it's also just, you know, the, the values, you know, maybe like my parents have instilled in me and, and um, so, yeah, so it's funny you ask that because I'm just like, I don't even know. I don't, <laughs> I don't, it's not something I actively think about. Like, how do I stay grounded? Cause I'm so high in the sky. It's just not where I see myself. Well, Meryl, congratulations on a great career, and and thank you for giving us some insights to Insider and and all that you're doing and the the current media world. We appreciate it. Oh, I listen. I'm I'm thrilled to be talking to you about this, and uh, I so appreciate everything I've been able to do so far, and um, all the opportunities I've been given, and the people I've gotten to work with and for. So thrilled to just kind of try to put it back out there where I can. Well, we hope that we'll get back to you in the future with the next iteration of media and get an update (laughs) then. Absolutely. Today's guest was Meryl Gottlieb, Senior Partner Manager for the Business Division of Insider. She talked about the power of the pivot and the flexibility needed to thrive in today's ever-changing media environment. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or at NPR One. And Spectrum also is available at the NPR Podcast Directory. We always welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it through one of your favorite podcast outlets. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts or have suggested topics for us to cover in the future, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hodson at ohio.edu. That's hodson, H-O-D-S-O-N, at ohio.edu. Have a good day, everyone.